Praise God. John chapter 5. We're going to go after the section we read yesterday regarding the healing at Bethesda. Let's read the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God wipes away our tears, and only He can wipe away our tears. Only He can come and speak words that will build our confidence in Him to receive miracles. Praise be to the living God. We began John's Gospel looking specifically at the eternal God in His awesome power, the one who created the universe, and we often think about that when we think about our problems, that we are actually talking to not some local deity like the pagans have with limited power, but someone who has unlimited power, God who has unlimited power, and his compassion is renowned. Blessed to be the rock. And yesterday we saw that whatever our difficulties are, we know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. And what he did for others, as the song goes, what God did for others, he can do for you. So we must trust in him. Because whoever trusts in him will not be put to shame. The man said in John chapter 5, verse 7, this impotent man, this man that was sick, Sir, I have no man to put me into this pool, the pool when the water is stirred up, where the miracle takes place. The first one who jumps in, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Somehow he's making his way or trying to, and uh, he's not able to get to the miracle in time. We have this difficulty in our lives whether it's our pre-Christian days or even long time as Christians, not able to connect with God, not able to connect with the compassionate God to receive our miracle. And God shows us that He's willing. And He shows us that it's the way of faith that's going to cause us to receive. And that He wants us to think differently he wants us to think his thoughts so that we can connect with him. This man had that disconnection with the miracle that God wanted to do for so long. But God also had his time and that faith met the power of God. Faith met the power of God. As God showed up and the miracle resulted. Often we see in the gospel that God is willing to show up. He really is. He's not partial. He loves us. And he wants to do great things. And this year is a year of restoration. Tremendous miracles God has. As Pastor mentioned the other night, we have seen it happen within our family circle 
the impossible. God is doing the impossible. And we've been praying for many of you, for your families and the situations that we know about, that you would experience the impossible happening in your life from Almighty God. Jesus says to him in verse 5, John chapter 5, that is verse 8 rather, John 5, 8, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. How many testimonies I have heard personally? Going back to literally the late 1800s, of a girl who was lying in a condition, she couldn't move, she had so much pain, they had to prop her up in the chair, they had to put straps on her, a young girl, suffering intensely, and the verdict from the physicians were that she's not going to make it much longer. And all of a sudden, God spoke to her, and she was instantly cured. And for the next 60 plus years, she became one of the leading instruments used by God to bring the word of faith and healing, the real word of faith, not the cultic things that we hear sometimes. Name it and claim it and seek after wealth and pretend like you don't have any problems. No, the real word of faith that involves the cross with a genuine reverence and humility before the living God and genuine compassion, not looking to build my name and my ministry and my empire, but a real ministry of faith and miracles. I've heard quite a number of testimonies. Another one, a doctor. Mother and daughter, doctor team. One of the, among the first female physicians from Michigan in the early 1900s. Completely destroyed because of overwork. She got hooked on drugs. Not because she was a drug user, using it for recreation or to relieve her depression, but it was for the physical pain that she felt. She came under bondage, this physician. Nothing could be done for her. And she went to these different healing homes and God spoke to her. And suddenly she was cured. And she became a spokeswoman for the healing power of Jesus Christ. For many years she became a tremendous woman of faith, this physician. And she saw miracle after miracle. Even elderly people who had so many conditions that were irreversible, suddenly healed. People filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Rise up. Take up your bed and walk. Jesus says, you've got to lay hold of my promise and walk. How many of us have experienced that? To the glory of the living God. The devil says you can't. You can't, you can't, you can't. Because, 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 because. The Lord said there's no because with me. Why you can't. I'm here. You can, through Christ. So healing happens. And when people get healed, even in our church, they demonstrate it by walking when they had severe pain because they received it. They got touched by God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Immediately and immediately, the man was made well. Took up his bed and walked. So, like the woman with the issue of blood, he believed. He didn't argue. He didn't say, but I can't. 
something he felt in his body and he acted on it, he took up his bed and walked. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now we come to this part, which is tragic. People who are out of touch with God, they want to know why so much commotion and noise. Why can't you preach a sermon decently? Why are people making all kinds of noises and acting strange? I don't care if a miracle happened. You need to keep the noise down. This is the house of God. Quite contrary to the heart of the Father. And worse than that, these people actually told the man who received the miracle, your healing was illegal. Can you imagine that? Someone that everybody knew, most likely because it seemed like he was trying to get his healing from that pool, where the angel would stir the waters. Having known that this man had this condition for nearly four decades, and seeing the sudden miracle, they said, sorry, your miracle is illegal, so you've got to keep it down or just get out of town. And that day was the Sabbath. Verse 10, the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. I don't care if you couldn't carry it for 38 years. You can't do it now because it's the wrong time. Should have gotten healed on uh, Monday or Wednesday. Too bad. Somehow you got your healing on the Sabbath. And therefore it's illegal by our books. The man who received the miracle said, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. He said, I'm just following the orders of the one who did the miracle. And they asked him, Who is this, or who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? We're going we're gonna to have some words with him, this lawbreaker, lawless one. But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. God could have stayed there. But you see the wisdom of God, and this is something that is a lesson that we may miss among the other lessons. That is the Lord did not stick around when the Father didn't want him to. You think that this is a wonderful time to show who he is and to demonstrate that, here, I did this, as we'll see him confront his opponents at other times, here he withdrew when they tried to throw him headlong from a cliff. You see in another place that he just disappeared, not disappeared, but or practically for an all essential uh, or uh, for our purposes, we can see that he disappeared from their view. But he just went right through the midst of them. They were looking for him. Why did he do that? Was he afraid? Absolutely not. Son of God has zero fear. Did he not have power to do something? He had all the power. He told Peter when he took out the sword 
and cut the ear of the servant of the high priest, he said, put your sword back. Don't you know right now I can have thousands upon thousands of angels to come instantly to defend me? But then how will the scripture be fulfilled? How wonderful to know that sometimes the Lord will have his retreat. Not retreat in surrender to the enemy, but retreat as part of a strategy. When everything is set to go, and we feel like we need to say something or do something. And to us, it seems the sensible thing to do, even the spiritual thing to do. But it's not God's time. And God wants us to learn to hear Him. And sometimes that may be the hardest thing to do because we're, we're so used to thinking a certain way, even as Christians. And uh, God is training. And you know what? It's like school. We may attend the first day of class and get, you know, the orientation to the class, whether it's kindergarten or college. And we come away and we may go the second day and have our first homework given up. But then we may miss a few days and what happens? We have to play catch up. Have you ever felt that? There have been periods when God spoke to you that you missed the follow-up and so there's a void and other things come in. You're really not being led by the Spirit. And you have to play catch-up now, relearn the lesson. God doesn't want us to keep playing catch-up because that's not the design of His will for us. The teacher shows up and every day we must show up as a student to listen so we can make progress make those spiritual milestones. One of the biggest things is as we're learning in life training school is to really be aware of God's presence and depend upon Him. Jesus just withdrew. It was not the time or the place to talk to these people. But He found the man separately. A little while later you'll see that he did talk to them, but at this time he withdrew. How fine the line is when we want to do God's will and he wants to reveal his will, but we may have the most sincerest intentions and the highest motives, the purest motives, but it's just a little bit premature. It's not in God's time. We're a little bit too late. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He teaches us to keep in step with the Spirit if we want to. And every day we can grow more like Jesus. We can say, Lord, I don't want to go backward. I don't want to miss days of school with you, Lord. Oh, Father, teach me, teach me, teach me. I really want to get past some of these things that keep tripping me up. And God will do it. He's faithful. He's so loving. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple, the very man, and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. 
similar to the woman caught in adultery. By the way, let me say in passing, someone posted, I don't know if it was a repost or circulating, but they had the story um, line with a picture with Jesus and the woman. This is a cartoon. Unfortunately, whoever did the drawing had the woman completely unclad. And although the woman was caught in the act, it said, there's nothing to indicate that she was unclad and they took her that way and put her in front of everyone to stone her like that. Basic decency. Somebody would have covered up if that was the case. But there's no indication that it was even the case. Here they have Jesus with this woman unclad. How people, even people who may know the gospel and they think they're just showing something so real and raw as it is, don't refine it. This has nothing to parallel the crucifixion of Jesus when people say, don't make it like he had a few blood stains here and there and the sanitized version of the crucifixion. No, it's something different. It's something that will draw people to focus on something that God covered up because they fell from grace and the glory departed. Any decent human being, decent society, culture, they understand The people wear clothing for a reason. And here they have Jesus Christ depicted in front of this woman figure like this. Not only God's timing, but God's heart and God's purity that must be conveyed in everything we do, everything we see, everything we um, preach. And we need that we need that ability to think like God that even in the testimony the certain words are not used because they can trigger imagination. Isn't that so? A woman violated and she's giving her testimony, or a man in a similar situation or having done the thing, how would they give the testimony? The two considerations One is whether that kind of testimony should be given in the presence of certain people to begin with. As we saw, Jesus withdrew. Because it's a testimony doesn't mean we can share it all the time anywhere. You see? Secondly, the very words that are used to depict it, it can be done in a way that the message is conveyed, but no vain or lustful imagination is triggered. And it's not enough for us to say, well, the problem is with the hearer. I'm just saying it as it is. If they have a problem with it, something's wrong with them. They shouldn't be. We can say that with a Christian. The most holiest man or woman. And play something that is vile. And say, well, the problem is with them. Why did we introduce it? We're responsible. Just like we don't want to be tempted by others, we must make sure we're not a source of temptation. So God's wisdom in His Spirit really helps us to walk at a level that is pleasing to the Father and truly edifying and not destructive. 
is possible to be constructive and destructive. Not simultaneously, but right after the other. One after the other. And God is saying, He wants us to be constructive continually. It's possible. The Lord said to this man, I've given you the healing now. You have to be careful. Sin has no more place in your life. Not only because I don't like it, and I came to change you inside, not just your body, but your heart, but something worse will come to you. Be careful. So he told that woman that's caught in adultery. Woman, where are your accusers? They caught you in the act. You should have been stoned, but I stopped them by convicting them, condemning them for their hypocrisy. But that doesn't mean that you're not without sin. In spite of your sin, I'm willing to forgive. Oh, God, thank you. The woman would have been trembling. But he didn't let her go and said, I love you and God bless you. Have a great day. He said, make sure you don't do this again. Ever. No more. No wonder we have to preach against sin. That's the duty of every Christian. Not to go and hammer people with it, but not to withhold the sword of the Spirit which will cut down sin if we handle it correctly and not misuse it or pervert it. How else will people know that so many things they do are wrong when they have a user-friendly church and the pastor was like a movie Santa Claus everybody loves we need to please God the healing comes and healing involves repentance for those who are not pleasing to God which shows that God only uh, does not only want to heal the good children but he wants to heal all of his children He wants to heal all his children, even the ones that are not walking with him. But there's a condition. They have to repent. And if they do, God will heal them. God will forgive them. He takes the first step, doesn't he? Who of us have ever gone to God on our own? The Lord said, unless the Father draws people to me, they can't come. Unless the Holy Spirit draws someone, we can't go to God. We're blind and we think we have everything we need. But the Holy Spirit takes the first step. God takes the first step. Jesus stretched out his hand to heal. And the man received the gift. Now the Lord says, walk worthy of the gift. Thank you, Lord. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Once again, someone's unmuted there. And I think they're muted now. Praise God. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath. We've already seen the madness of these people. They want to kill the miracle worker, the healer. It's like going to kill a doctor who 
cured your loved one or you. Because he didn't do it on the particular day he wanted him to do it. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Satan is so enraged against God and God's people who are walking with God, his ministers, and every Christian that's walking with God. He's enraged. So he'll try to do what the three, or I should say, the men that came against Daniel, they told the king, we can't find fault. Uh, that is, they talked among themselves. We can't find fault with him according to the general law of the people. But we have to catch him in something he'll do obeying his religious laws with his God. The devil comes to twist things. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. He's telling them, God is the one, the very one who gave the Sabbath. He's the one doing the work. You have a problem with him? I'm working with him. Now, what do they do? Instead of saying, Who's your father and what do you mean? You're saying God? Can you explain it? The very next thing is they want to kill him even more. Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. There are people I've heard, sometimes witnessing, and the challenge comes that Jesus never said he was God. It's not in the Bible. He never said he was equal to God. Of course, they're usually ignorant of the scriptures, but also some of them they tried to hide because they want to bring in some perverted doctrine that he's not God. But here it is. Just one of a number of instances. Philippians 2 being another one. Revelation. And further in John also. He says, My father has been working until now. And I have been working. How can you have an equal to God? And if they would know the scriptures in Isaiah and in Psalms, in Genesis, the very beginning, they would know that this is something supernatural. We need to find out a little more about it. Because here's somebody doing only what God can do. Maybe we need to talk to him and listen to him and learn from him. They're blind with rage and also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. There's an equality there. There's an imitation there. There's a oneness there. And the father, for the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. With Philip, you, you note that he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But to these people, he didn't tell it that directly, because they don't deserve it. Nonetheless, he spoke the truth, so they'll be condemned by that, because they refuse to come to the light. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. Can you see the Father on the throne? 
the son sitting at his right hand. Such fellowship, oh, such communion. What a beautiful oneness in the Trinity with the Holy Spirit. From eternity past to eternity future. No break whatsoever. Even during the time when the Father had to turn away, when the Lord bore the sins of humanity, doesn't mean that they were separated in that intrinsic, essential, spiritual unity that they had forever, from eternity to eternity. Oh, beautiful. And this is what Jesus says later, we'll see in John 17. The same way I'm one with my Father, human beings who trust in me, I invite you to come into that oneness. Hallelujah. How beautiful. No wonder God sees us as His beautiful creation and treasures forever. He loves us so much. As that father in the parable of the prodigal son, he didn't just say, oh, my son is there. Send some servants to tell them, I love you and come on, don't be afraid now. I've set everything up and this is what we're going to do. And But I have people watching, you know, they may have some thoughts that, you know, I'm letting you off the hook easy. So we have a certain protocol. And I'll... I'll Shake hands with you a little later in the day, okay? And then maybe hug you later, but, you know, you don't want to do things in a way that's going to stir up people and give misunderstandings. And I myself have to kind of see you first. What did he do? He was looking for a son, obviously, continually. He had hoped. And when he caught sight of the boy coming back, this boy that became a pig, he ran and embraced him and wept and kissed him. A child would have been shocked with the love of the father. However, the child did repent. How tragic when people take that parable and they say, look at what the father did. And the child is coming back with the pigs. And the child insists that the pigs also live in my mansion. God will never allow that. But love will wait. Love will hope. Love will speak the truth. God wants the unity. Such a unity with the love for those who are truly born again. And truly abiding in his love which equates to from John 14 and 15 keeping his commandments and the Lord says at the end of that chapter that as the Father gave me commandments so I do and I'm in his love I'm with him there's no substitute for obedience. There's no way we can have fellowship with God without obeying His Word. No matter how many services we attend and no matter how hard we sing and serve in the church, we don't obey the Holy Spirit. There's no fellowship with God. It's interesting. Someone said, there's a man that has a, I think a 30,000 member church. I'm not talking about Joel Olstein. Another man, obviously very popular. And this man has come up with 
teaching to help churches grow. A very popular movement. Many, many churches have gotten this material. They're very rich. But it seems, one preacher, I believe, reported recently that all of a sudden he said, I did it all wrong. After 30 years, several decades, in the ministry, in at least three decades, if I remember reading correctly, to build that 30,000 member church and disseminate church growth methods in how to increase your membership and how to keep the people involved and serve in the church. Sounds good. But it seemed that he said that, but we never got them connected to God. Where they're walking right. God have mercy. What happened to all the churches that bought his material? So popular. You come into a church, you connect with the church, you get to know people, you get to serve there, you get to have family time together, the families grow in the community, you have cell groups, or you have a wonderful formula to keep everything gelled together wonderfully. And you have money coming in, and programs, and success, success, success. But who's fellowshipping with God? Remember, the cross is vertical and horizontal. We cannot have a true horizontal, true fellowship with one another in Christ if we don't have fellowship with Him abiding in His love. Jesus is showing the beautiful relationship He has with the Father because He's one with Him. His commandments, His word, His works. I tell you the truth. I'm telling you most certainly the Son can do nothing of Himself. We're in verse 19 of John 5. But what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does, just like that. For the Father loves the Son. Hallelujah. This is not some kind of hierarchy or some kind of a partnership where there are commands given in an autocratic fashion and things just need to get done. You know, I have to keep the universe running and in order. And so we have to do certain things. But there's love in the family, in the church. Love must be the preeminent quality. Now these three remain in 1 Corinthians 13 we see faith, hope, love but the greatest of these is love. Prophecies may be there the different gifts of the Spirit may be there Tongues may be there, but all of them will eventually stop. You know why? Because when we get to heaven, there's no need for that. We'll be seeing God face to face. Because these are gifts of revelation and power. We'll be right in His presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But love will never stop. Hallelujah. I want to know what love is. People of the world are crying. They're crying in song and in film and in literature and in talk shows. Conversation. Late at night going to 2, 3 in the morning. Girlfriend to girlfriend. Man to man. Or man to woman. Trying to discover what love is. I heard that love makes the world go around. Go around. Well, what is this love? How do you get it? Do you get it by going to favorite spots where you can drink coffee together? 
and have fun? Do you get love by fellowshipping at a movie theater, watching things that tickle you, and get your mind off of the pressures of the day? Do you get love by uh, building up your social network? The more, the merrier. What is love? Is love romantic? Eros? Is love Philadelphia? Is there such a thing as agape love? Is love merely social? Is it merely sexual? Or is it sacrificial? There's a love from the Father that transcends the other two. It's God's kind of love. Jesus said, that's what we have, Father and I. That's the love I'm trying to bring you into. You're worried that I didn't do a miracle of love on a non-Sabbath day? You're missing God's love? You blind people? Angry because I don't fit into your religious profile? Because your profile does not include love or mercy or faith. It involves money and monopoly and madness. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does and he will show him greater works than these. What works? Something like you just saw, the healing. I set a man free because I love him. My Father loves him. We work together. We set him free. There was a plan that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. Some of us are crying for our loved ones. There's a deep burden. There's a continual burden. God, would you heal them? Would you heal their emotions? Would you heal their thinking, Lord? Their whole psyche is warped. Oh God, they're in the trap of Satan, Lord, and they think they're in control. Or they're looking to other things for a sense of control and it's destroying them. God says, I can give life to the dead. My Father can do it and I can do it. We work together. The Holy Spirit will carry it out also. The Father raises the dead and gives life to people. The Son gives life to whoever He wishes to. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. That all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Yes, he's revealing the equality. To Philip, he directly revealed his oneness in deity with the Father. So much so that he said, I'm the exact physical manifestation and representation of the invisible Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. How could they miss the Trinity, these Jewish people? Moses knew about it. David knew about it. How did they miss it? 
just like they missed the whole first coming of the Son of God and ended up crucifying him. Just like people do today, Christianity is great. A Judeo-Christian philosophy is wonderful for society. Let's adopt and pick and choose certain principles. We can turn them into bestsellers. We cannot have life until we come and bow to the Son of God. Because we have done that, we can say, Lord, you keep revealing so much about your love. You, you went to so much detail here, Lord. Saying how you're one with the Father and you want me to have that oneness. Lord, I want to pray to you more often today. I see a problem, oh Jesus. I'm just not communicating with you like I should. That's why these other thoughts come in and I'm, I'm on this ride, Lord, until I catch myself. Something happens and I need to pray. I want to be one with you like Jesus was one with your Father and is one with you and forever will be. Help me to know what you're saying, to hear it. I want to talk to you. My problems are too much, Lord. They're crushing me. Could it be because I'm not talking to you as I should, receiving strength? Even Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane because he constantly prayed and he prayed as it says in the book of Hebrews, with strong crying, he prayed to the Father. Passionately. The Father sent angels to strengthen him. Right before the crucifixion. Oh, Jesus. I need your strength. I have no more left. I need your strength. Have you fallen on your face before God? And as someone said, coming to our house, at around New Year's time. Lord, help me to be desperate like I am now every time I come to you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. You believe in the Father, believe in me too. He's saying, believe in us. Let us make man in our image. Not three co-gods, but one God in three persons. Whoever believes the word, believes me, believes my Father, sees what I'm doing, can have everlasting life has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment a Christian will never be put on trial before the judgment seat of God to determine finally publicly that they haven't measured up therefore they'd have to go away from God forever to hell and the lake of fire Christian will never come to judgment it's if a Christian chooses to leave Christ that he no longer or he, she no longer is a Christian walks away, wanders away follows the, the wooing the, the 
leading of the devil to go away from life. But a Christian, one who's staying with Christ, has passed from death and gone into life now and forever as they stay connected to Christ. Most assuredly I say it to you, he is telling them who you are messing with and how you're missing your own salvation. It's not just one miracle. There's a whole heavenly business that I came to do to save mankind. You can't see that all these things are pointing to what I'm going to do ultimately on the cross. They were so blind, they thought they knew the scriptures. He said, you think you know the scriptures, you read the scriptures, you have the scriptures, but they testify about me. And you miss the whole point. Only I can save you. Only I can heal you. Only I can change you. Oh God. But how many people try to do it on their own? Even people who read the Bible. They get frustrated because the devil has deluded them. To think that I'm not measuring up. So God doesn't want to hear from me. Oh Lord. Your love is so powerful. You still want me? You want to change me? Please, Lord. I really want to follow you. Help me, Lord. Help me to get back on track. Most assuredly, I said to you, the hour is coming. And now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. There are three aspects here, at least. It comes to mind immediately. The dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear the voice of the Son of God will live. In John chapter 11, Jesus spoke to the dead man who was dead four days and he came up alive. And similar miracles happened while Jesus was ministering. to other dead men, the young men that they've carried in the funeral procession, the young girl who is dead, the servant who is at the point of death. So many people. He did miracles. They heard the voice. They recovered. They were snatched from death. But also, when Jesus died on the cross, he rose again. During that time, so the graves were open and dead men came to life. They're walking through the city. People saw them. And then, on that day, when the Son of God returns, which will be soon, according to everything that's written in the Scriptures and everything we see happening in front of us, The dead in Christ will rise first, it's written. All those who are genuine Christians in the graves, their spirits are with God, but the body will resurrect. They'll have new bodies. They'll meet the Lord in the mid-air. Imagine that. Instantly caught up. And those who are alive when the Lord returns, they will follow those people who are dead and are caught up to God's presence. 
with new bodies and the people on earth who are alive they'll be transformed translated they will receive new bodies instantly in the twinkling of an eye the Bible says in Corinthians how important it is to have all of this in perspective when we think about our difficulties down here on earth and our problems and our day-to-day routines and the cares of this world we, we must never let them choke the word of God because the word of God gives life he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and he keeps ministering life like the living water it keeps flowing most assuredly I say to you the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live how does a person get healed God speaks he speaks to them directly or through someone else the word carries power oh God we need to hear your word continually against everything that man says and everything that the devil says and everything that we feel God what did you say by your stripes I'm healed Jesus and how can I really mean it and believe it and have it work for me until I or unless I spend time with God walking with him, talking with him, having faith grow. It's not an instantaneous thing that just pops up. There is no popcorn faith. The real faith takes us and takes time walking with God and saying, Lord, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me, Lord, ever. I love you more than any other. You're the one I really want to talk to, Lord more than anyone else. So that's the passion. How we fail, because that's not true. Many times it's just not true. We'd rather talk to people, even talk to ourselves, rather than talk to God, unless there's a problem. Unless we feel like we're in an environment where it's time to praise now. The test of a man or a woman or child of God, their devotion to God is an earnest desire say Lord I can't wait to talk to you more and more and more and more while I'm driving while I'm cooking while I'm sitting while I'm sleeping while I'm sleeping how do you talk to God when you're sleeping as is written in that allegorical book Song of Solomon even when I'm sleeping I'm awake there's a communion oh God surely that has happened because during the waking hours there's a love affair with the living God a genuine marriage a genuine father-child relationship full of love all of those things in every possible way God could describe it pure and holy forever love Jesus and me my Jesus and I we have that kind of commitment and time spent with God sincere desire in our waking moments it's guaranteed that during our sleeping times the spirit will be communing with God supernatural hallelujah for as the father has life in himself verse 26 so he has granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man he's God come in the flesh the incarnate deity born of a virgin he was not produced 
as every other human beings are produced. The Holy Spirit created his body in the womb of a virgin. And he came to suffer and taste death for all of us. All of us. And he conquered it. He said, because I live, you live also. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth those who have done good. This is talking about that third category, or third instance of the dead hearing the voice of the Son of God. They'll just come out of the graves. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can, uh, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There's another who bears witness of me. And I know the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. John the Baptist. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He's saying, before he pronounces later on, a few chapters later, he'll say, you're going to die in your sins. He's saying, turn around from your madness. Stop condemning the innocent. Not only the man that was healed, that I myself forgave. You're condemning God himself. John the Baptist, he was the burning and shining lamp. And you are willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. You can see that. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. I'd encourage everyone to read this chapter very slowly and prayerfully because there have been so many times that I've read something like this which seems sometimes repetitive redundant, it seems to go on and on, very elaborate, but how my soul was fed with tremendous manna and joy from every sentence that the Lord spoke and how it gave me a fuller understanding of who He really is, the greatness of His compassion, the greatness of His power and His willingness to resurrect me. I encourage you to read this slowly later on. And the Father, verse 37, himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, some of these pseudo-Christian cults. They talk a whole lot about the scriptures but they reject God, the Son, the Lord said, if you reject the Son, you're rejecting the Father. If you don't honor the Son, you're not honoring the Father. You don't have God in your life. But you do not have His Word abiding in you because whom He sent, Him you do not believe. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of Me. But you are not willing to come to Me that you may have life. I do not on, I do not receive honor from men. But I know you. That you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name. 
and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe? I've highlighted this verse. Perhaps you'd like to also. Verse 44. How can you believe who receive honor from one another? How we love to receive honor on social media. I'm not saying you, but we as the Christian community at large. How we love to receive awards and be recognized and acknowledged. But that's not the kind of honor that will come from God. We need to thank God and thank the people, glorifying God every time we gain some praise. We need to turn it over to heaven. And we need to know that we're seeking the honor that comes from God by glorifying Him. That's what our lives are about. How can you believe we'll receive honor from one another? And do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Jewish people. Your preeminent lawgiver, Moses. The very man who spoke with God, whom God said he speaks, or I speak to him face to face. In whom you trust. Moses is going to stand up on that day and said, you, stiff-necked people, maybe he'll use those words like he did when he was on earth. You didn't believe the Father. You didn't believe the Son. You're hypocrites. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Everything we hear from the scriptures, it's possible to read and to search and to miss the essence of what God is communicating. It's possible to be a Pharisee and miss love, faith, and justice. To miss mercy, faith, and proper judgment. To miss righteousness, mercy, and faith. Oh, my God. How is it possible? Have you known people in churches and even preaching and knowing the scriptures inside out? They don't have compassion. They don't know how to show mercy. It's all about me, my clothing, my house, my mortgage, my people, my family. It's too bad for other people. I really do not want to be bothered. I have enough problems. No mercy. No love. No compassion. But that's the essence of God's word. And his revelation. Because it reveals who he is. And that's who he is. No faith. It's written of the son of God. There is a faith of the son of God. Jesus. Entrusted himself to the father's care. He had to. Exercise that trust in the Father. And proper judgment, justice, and righteousness. If we really believe God, we'll be walking right. If we really believe the Word, anyone who says, I love the Word of God, I can't get enough of it, I have a copy here, I have a copy there, and the Word, the Word, the Word, I love it. 
Maybe they can quote you hundreds of scriptures or thousands, whole books of the Bible. But if they're not walking in the light that has been revealed to them, then they've essentially rejected that light because you'll know the tree by its fruit. I've got to do the right thing. Otherwise, I'm a hypocrite. I'll be condemned with the rest of the world, no matter what kind of Christian I am, no matter what title I have, what place I have of honor among maybe even thousands of people in the churches. They flock to hear me on that day. That statement that people say, the taller they are, the harder they fall, the more lifted up we will be in our pride with people's admiration, so much harder will the fall be. The fall be. But thank God, God is saying, break up that fallow ground as is written in Hosea. Break up that hardness. Let mercy flow inside of you and let mercy flow out of you to everyone. Don't be bitter. Don't be snappy. Don't crush people. Love them. Give them space. Because God has given you so much space. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Haven't you felt times of God's supreme love just flowing into you and you just love everyone? You speak the truth, but you really want to not hold any grudges against anyone. You just feel that flow, free-flowing river from God of life. Mercy. And other times we're quick to condemn and judge, find fault, gossip. Who are we? In the book of James there's a warning. You judge your brother, judge your sister, judge the brethren. He said be careful because a real judge is standing at the door. How wonderful the Word of God. It really keeps us broken, humble, but full of joy, full of love, full of mercy, full of truth. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Loving God, help us to flow in the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need faith to grow. We need love to flow. We need righteousness to show. Thank you, Jesus. Faith to grow, love to flow. Righteousness to show. The tree is known by its fruit. Help us to walk in righteousness. And I pray, Lord, that everyone hearing the word this morning, if the Holy Spirit has convicted you, talk to God. You may want to do it publicly, you may want to do it privately, but talk to Him. Say, Lord, I'm not missing anything. Whatever you touched upon, Lord, I need to change, I want to change. Lord, I've got to be able to hear your voice calling me to be with you on that day where I'll get my new resurrected body and live with you forever. Help me to rejoice when you do miracles. Help me to expect miracles. Help me to pray for miracles. Help me to love my fellow brothers and sisters, especially my Father. Make this a blessed day to talk to you often, more often than ever, to love you, Lord. To do our part to draw near to you, that you may draw near to us. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Jesus' mighty name. Amen.